0: Well, good morning, church. It's always a blessing for us to be together. We're continuing today in our current study, our focus on the gospel of Matthew. Uh, And as we've talked about at various times throughout this series, uh, of of the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I feel like Matthew is the most like a teacher, uh, that he is trying his hardest in the tradition of, of the great rabbis that he's had in his life up to and obviously including Jesus the the best rabbi anybody was ever going to get to have he wants other people to have the same experience of of being trained of of learning not just ideas but of learning how to see the world, of, of learning how to see God in the world. And so he doesn't just tell the story. You know, Mark kind of just tells all the action. Uh, he barely has any time for Jesus to stop and speak because he's so focused on what Jesus is doing. And, and, and Luke, well, he's trying to make sure that he tells the most complete story he can possibly tell. And so he's got all kinds of material that the other gospel writers don't have. John is trying to, to reach not just the, the Jewish men and women who might encounter the story, but, but he's really focused on the world. He's focused on all the people who weren't really waiting for a Messiah to come, but they were desperate to find out, was there some presence of God in the world around them that, that could reach them and change their lives? And so he's focused on presenting Jesus that way. Matthew Matthew wants us to know just how amazing Jesus was when it came to teaching. And Matthew wants to be that kind of teacher himself. So we have covered a lot of ground in this series. And and if you're anything like me, you have felt like, man, there's been a lot of information. There's been a lot of, of things we're wrestling to learn and remember and hold on to. And I wish I could tell you this morning was going to be a whole lot different, but it's not. We're going to have a lot we're thinking about and focusing on because we're, we're reaching a place where Matthew, in trying to make it clear to everyone that Jesus is a new kind of Moses, he has Jesus teach in five kind of long blocks of teaching, just like the Pentateuch, right? You have those first five books in the Old Testament that, that the people received from the wisdom and in the inside of Moses, and he gives them the law, and he tells them the kind of life they're supposed to live because of, of God calling them into that life. And Jesus comes along and he says, you know, I've got five new lessons, five new sermons, five new messages that are connected to those first five books of the law, but they're calling us to a new place. They're calling us beyond anything that anybody had imagined in the Old Testament and so we, we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount. That was the first sermon. that was the first message, the first extended lesson Jesus was going to give. Then he, he teaches his disciples as they're about to go out. He talks to them uh, about what does it mean to be people who are carrying on his mission to do the kinds of things he can do and, and teach the kinds of ideas that he's been teaching. And now we get to Matthew 13. It's the third sermon. It's the third extended discourse. Where Matthew takes together all of these different stories that Jesus used in his teaching. Stories that we call parables. In Matthew 13, we've got eight different parables. This collection. And, and what Matthew's trying to do with these stories is he's trying to open our hearts up again to the truth that the kingdom of heaven really is all around us. Even if it's not always easy for us, right? Even if it doesn't just come naturally for us to see it or hear it or feel it. Matthew says it's there. Slow down for a moment. Take a breath. Now don't fall asleep on me. But slow down for a moment. Take a breath and think about the past week. Think about the places you've been. Think about the things that you've experienced. Did you notice how the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of heaven, the presence of of our Heavenly Father was, was with you? Or were you so busy and so distracted, had so much going on, that you pretty much felt like you were moving through your life on your own, that you were having to fend for yourself, that you were having to figure everything out on, on your own, that you were going to have to rescue yourself if you found your, your, your heart or your soul in a, in a dark, difficult place? Did you notice that God was with you Or not? The answer all of us would give in any given week is, you know, if I stop and I think about it, I look back and yeah, there were moments. If I'm a person of faith, there were moments I I felt God's presence, but you know what, I'm pretty sure I missed I missed a lot. Because I was too busy looking at myself and my abilities and my tasks and all the things in front of me, and I was too busy listening to all kinds of other voices, and I was, I was too busy experiencing things that I expected to experience, and I missed out on the unexpected ways that God, the kingdom of heaven, was breaking into my life. Now, here's what's interesting. Not only can that be a struggle, but then the way Jesus decides to talk about it with us takes work to understand Parables are a very specific way of communicating an idea. And when I was growing up in church, I kind of thought that parables were like Christian versions of Aesop's fables. You know, they they were like these short, simple stories that had one point, one uh, piece of, of morality that I needed to learn and I needed to hold on to it. And, you know, it was just wrapped around this, this little story so that it would be more memorable and it would be easier for me to remember it later. That's not really what parables are. That's, that's not how they're supposed to work. And we, we learn this by virtue of the fact that Jesus kind of interacts with his disciples when he tells parables where he makes it clear that he's doing this because he wants these stories to haunt us in a good way. That they're simple and, and the, the plot is easy to follow and the characters are, are memorable and you know, you, you hear it once and you kind of got it down. You can even tell it to somebody else later. But what Jesus would say is, okay, but, but have you really wrestled with what that story means for you? Or do you think it's just got one point? And so I want you to, to hold on to this truth this morning, right? That parables are not designed to have just one point. They're designed to actually shift our point of view. They're they're not supposed to, to give us one idea to think about. They're supposed to change how we think about everything. Now, you may think, well, how can a simple story do that, and... Here comes Matthew 13 saying, well, let me show you what I mean. Now, in just a moment, we're going to look at the eight different parables that Jesus tells in Matthew 13. But before we do that, I I want us to make sure we read the part of Matthew 13 where we realize this this struggle that the the disciples are having and they don't understand. Look, if you want people to understand the truth that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into the, the world... Just make it simple. Make it easy. Don't talk in these stories. Don't, don't make it hard for people to understand. And Jesus says, well, there's a reason I'm doing this. So if you got your Bible, open up to Matthew 13. We'll start reading together in verse 10. Now, now what happens in the first nine verses of Matthew 13 is the parable of the farmer who casts his seed on all these different kinds of soils. We'll come back to that in a moment. But he's just told that story. And the disciples who've been following him are like, I don't get it. I don't get the story. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. So they, they come to him and say, why do you use parables when you speak to the crowds? Jesus replied, because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. Now, the difference here that we need to pay attention to is his disciples come to him and say, why are you telling these hard-to-understand stories to the crowds? They're not saying, why do you tell these, these stories to us as disciples? Though I think they're wrestling with that too. And Jesus's point here is to say, okay, because people who are in the crowd haven't made any sort of commitment to sharing life with me. So why should I give them the wisdom of the kingdom if they're not willing To to follow me the way you have, right? For those who have will receive more, and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little they have will be taken away from them. Now, that doesn't sound exactly encouraging. And what Jesus is saying here is he's he's talking about understanding, right? For those who have some level level of understanding, God's going to give them even more understanding because they're committed, to seeing what Jesus is saying, they can see, and to hearing what Jesus is saying, they can hear. But people who are just around for the show, people who are just around because Jesus is impressive and he's able to do miracles, and they're not really interested in learning from him, their little level of understanding is gonna fade away. Verse 13, this is why he says, I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. And although they hear, They don't really hear or understand what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah uh, chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Isaiah says these things and they've come completely true for them. You will hear to be sure but never understand. And you will certainly see, but never recognize what it is you're seeing. For this people's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes, or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives, that I may heal them. I want you to follow, again, what, what's a pretty difficult statement there in Isaiah. I want you to follow the logic through it. It's not that that they're open to fully hearing what God wants them to hear and seeing what God wants them. It's that they're closed off. Their hearts are calloused. It's something they've done. It's not something that's being done to them. They want things to come easy. They don't want to have to think about it. They don't want to have to wrestle with it. And so this is what happens to them. Verse 16, blessed are your eyes because they see, and blessed are your ears because they hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and to hear what you hear, but they didn't. Now, here's what I want to confess to you. I'm not nearly as dedicated of a disciple of Jesus as I want to be. That, that I learn a little bit and I think I've learned it all. And I see a little bit and I think I've seen enough or I've, I've heard something from God and it's enough to, to keep me going. But then, if I'm really honest, I find myself too often realizing that the things I've seen and I've heard and I've experienced are fading. They're fading in my mind and my heart and my memory And I'm holding on to things that happened a long time ago. And I hope they're going to sustain me throughout what it is the rest of my life. What does it mean for me to really follow Jesus? And I realize that I'm not the person in this story I wish I I was. By the way, this is part of how parables sneak up on you. You're almost never the person in the parable you want to be. So it's like I'm holding on to these, these morsels, these, these glimpses that I've had, and I'm trying to make that last my entire spiritual journey of what it means to become more like Jesus. So I become that person where I, I saw something once, and I heard something once, and I experienced something once, and, and then I've stopped seeking it with all my heart. I've, I've started running after other things. I've started focusing on other things. And by the way, brothers and sisters, this is true. This is a wisdom about life. You see more of what you look for. You hear more of what you're straining to hear. You experience what you're, you're trying to chase after in terms of what you want in your life. And here's what I think we do more often than, than we want to admit. We treat Jesus more like a possession we can have than a person we're falling in love with. And we take him for granted, his presence in our lives. And the, we, we take for granted the presence of the kingdom of heaven on our earth, in our earth and in our, in our world. And we just get to the point where We say that our whole lives are arranged around chasing after Jesus, seeing and hearing and experiencing, but if somebody else were to look at how we're investing our energy and our time and our resources, they'd say, no, you think you just own Jesus and you're chasing after a bunch of other things you don't yet have that you think is going to make your life what you want it to be. And guess what? If that's what's really going on, and if we're not brave enough to tell the truth, we're not gonna wake up to the fact that the reason we don't see God in our world is we're not really, we're not looking for him. We're looking for someone to win. We're looking for us to get our way. We're trying to hear people tell us exactly what we wanna hear. We're not trying to open our hearts up every single moment of every single day to say, God, tell me what it is I need to hear that I'm not hearing Help me experience whatever it is that I've just taken for granted that I'm gonna come to church every week and I'm just gonna hope that at some point during that service, even though I haven't really tried to see you all week or listen to you all week or experience you all week, suddenly for an hour and a half, I'm I'm gonna have chills and I'm gonna feel close to you and I'm gonna hear you again. I'm gonna see you again and then I'm just gonna walk out there and I'm gonna go back to chasing after, looking for things, listening to things that aren't you. We need to wake up to the fact that we think we have Jesus so we can chase after all these other things when the reality is you you don't ever own Jesus. You seek him. And you don't ever settle for what you've already seen and what you've already heard because the promise of God is that when the kingdom of heaven breaks into our world, You haven't seen anything like it before. You haven't heard anything like it before. You've never experienced anything like it before. And if you want to receive it, you have to train your heart and your mind and your soul for its arrival. Okay. Now here's what he does. He tells eight different parables. Bring them all up, Nate. We're going to have to move quick. We got other things to think about. Okay, now here's how the arrangement works. If you look at the top one and the bottom, the, the last one in the list, you got the parable of, of the different soils, and then at the end you've got this short parable of, of him saying, you know, when someone's a trained disciple, it's like the head of a household. Everyone's gathered around together for their inheritance, and he just keeps going back into this storeroom, and he keeps bringing out treasures. And what those two stories are trying to get us to wrestle with is, what are we pursuing? Who are we trying to be? Right. The, the parable of the soils isn't really about the farmer. It's about the fact that we've got to wrestle with, what kind of soil is my soul made up of? Right. When I hear the words of the kingdom, when someone tells me, hey, can you see it? Can you... Can you hear it, whispers of it? Can, can you experience it? Am I trying to create till the soil of my, my soul enough that I can receive it when it happens? Or do I have so many things going on that I'm shallow and I can't focus? Or, or is it that I'm, uh, as soon as I face difficulties and trials, I just turn to some other way to get out of that trouble and I don't really rely on God? What kind of person am I when it comes to someone who's either ready to receive the goodness of the kingdom or not? And, and people who are ready to receive the goodness of the kingdom share it with others. Which is what the the priceless inheritance, he says. Look, if you're a trained disciple, you're like that head of the household that brings out these treasures new and old for other people to experience. In other words, the more you're able to be trained in how to see and how to hear and how to experience the kingdom, you become a trained guide for other people to see and hear and experience because they can't do it on their own. They need help. Just like we need to be rescued. They need to be rescued, and God is willing to use us. But we have to have lives that are ordered around that pursuit. So what kind of life are you pursuing, brothers and sisters? And can you be honest? Can I be honest with what my life is really mostly about chasing after? Is it really Jesus? Is it really the kingdom of heaven? Or is it something else? Okay. Okay. Now you go to the second one, the weeds in the field. You go to the second to last one. See, he's framing. That's how he's using this list. You got the story of this farmer who puts down good seed in a field. By the way, Jesus points out the field is not the church, it's the world. Sometimes we get really carried away trying to have spiritual roundup in the church. It's supposed to be the world that we're thinking about He says, you know, you plant down good seed, but then an enemy comes in and sows weeds. And so the servants go to the farmer and they say, look, we got weeds and wheat growing together. Shouldn't we clean up your field? And he says, that's not your job. That's that's not what your task is is supposed to be. You just cultivate the field. And you leave the sorting out to me. Well, guess what the parable of the full net of fish is about? Dragonfish. Let's say the Sea of Galilee, 20 different kinds of fish. You have a big net. You're not really picking and choosing what kind of fish swim into the net. You pull it on shore. And then someone whose job it is to go through all those fish and decide which fish we keep and which fish we throw away, that's that's for someone else to do. And that's going to happen at a different time. So So do you know what your job is in the kingdom? Do you know what your role is in the kingdom? It's not to look at other people and try to decide, are they a fish worth keeping or are they weed or weeds? Just keep working. Help more people see and hear and feel the nearness of God. Okay, now, instead of framing, he's already set the frame up. Now you've got two parables back to back that both tell the same story. The mustard seed and the yeast and the dough. Right? Both of them are about trusting that something is hidden and it can start small and you don't really see it changing things. And all of a sudden you turn around and there's this amazing transformation. That a small seed that that's so you know, you just you never expect anything of it, and all of a sudden it's it's one of the largest plants that, that's in the garden. And you know, you you have to basically take take it on faith that yeast is going to do anything. And it always does, right? Because that's how it works. And he says too often we want the kingdom to be flashy, to be impressive, to to be about filled church buildings and numbers that we can point to and feel good about as Christian people. and, And we can feel like we're overcoming the world. We're not called to overcome the world. We're called to love it into the embrace of God. And and that's slow, patient work. It's, It's planting the seed and then waiting and trusting that God's the one who brings the harvest. God's the one who brings the transformation. And we better never tell versions of our own stories where we're somehow responsible for the kingdom breaking into the world. We're witnesses to the kingdom breaking in. We don't make it happen. We're witnesses. And then he's got two more stories that he tells that are connected to one another, the hidden treasure and the precious pearl, right? In the hidden treasure, it's that somebody's just walking through a field and they stumble across this amazing treasure that they weren't looking for. You, you don't, you know, you're not on a treasure hunt. You're just walking through the field. You stumble across it and you realize what you found. Even though you weren't You weren't ready for it in all the ways that you might want to be ready for it. You you do have this moment of insight where even though there's no logical reason you recognize it for what it is, God helps you see it for what it is. Now, the the precious pearl is similar in that it's this one object that's priceless. But in that story, somebody is searching for it, right? It's a merchant who's looking to find something like that, and they come across it. And when they find it, they sell everything else so they can hold on to it. Okay, so you've got the different soils and the priceless inheritance are about the pursuit of your life. The weeds in the field and the full net of fish are about perspective. What's your job? What's God's job? Work on the field, don't try to sort things out. The mustard seed and the yeast and the dough, be patient, right? Have perseverance. And then finally, the hidden treasure and the precious pearl. What are your priorities? Do you know what you have in the kingdom? Do you realize it's what matters more than anything else? Or do you see it, experience it a little bit, taste it a little bit, hear it a little bit, and decide, you know what, that's nice and everything, but I'll worry about that later. Right now, I really want to make sure I make as much money as I possibly can. I want to have as much Success and, and people admire me as I, as I possibly can. I want to have more and more power than I've ever had before. I'll get to that other holy, sacred stuff later. Right now, I need to do the things that are really going to make a difference. What Jesus is saying in all of this is who are you in these stories? Where are you in these stories? And do you have the courage to tell the truth about your own journey and your own pursuit, your own perspective? your own patience, your own priorities. I mean, how open are you to someone else looking at your life and telling you what they think your priorities are? I mean, I'm not even super open to someone else telling me what my priorities should be. But man, it'd be pretty uncomfortable if someone said to me, you know, you talk a pretty good game on Sunday mornings, man. But if I were just looking at your life and I had to, you know, rate what you care about most... I don't know that I'd put seeing, hearing, and experiencing the kingdom of heaven on earth as your top priority. I think you take it for granted because you're a Christian, you're a preacher, and you work on church property for goodness sake. You shouldn't have to work to see or hear or experience that. It should just happen. Now I don't want to say any of that for you. I'm going to keep saying it for me. It's always harder to confess your own struggles than to confess everyone else's. If you won't do that work, these parables won't work. If you won't let them haunt you in a good way, if you won't wrestle to find your own answer to these questions, then all they're going to be is a Christian version of fables. So I'm begging you to let them have more power than that in your life. I want us to look one last time at Matthew 13, 16, and 17, where he says, blessed are your eyes because they they really see. Blessed are your ears because they really hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and they wanted to hear what you hear, but, but they didn't. Did you notice he doesn't say they couldn't? He says they didn't. Look, I believe that everybody in this room, on some level, wants to see and hear and experience. But do you want it more than you want anything else? Do you want it more than you want it, more than anything else? I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I could have seen God more. I wish I could have heard God more. I wish I could have experienced God more in this life. But I just decided that there'll be plenty to see and hear and experience in heaven. Why would we wait if we don't have to wait? Why would we put that off if we don't have to put it off? What do you want more than anything else, brothers and sisters? Only you can answer that question for yourself. Dedicated disciples of Jesus keep asking him to help them really see and really hear. And we need, our prayer lives, our our time in worship needs to be about us asking Jesus to help us be able to do the same thing. Man, I look at our world, I look at what it's been like over the last handful of years, and I'm telling you, I see problems more than I try to see Jesus. Jesus. I see challenges more than I try to see Christ. I see things that aren't the way I want them to be, the the, the things that are disappointing and discouraging more than I am trying to make everything about my heart and my mind and my life chasing after the truth that we're not just waiting to go to heaven. Heaven is running to us. It's here. It's right here. And if we don't see it, if we don't hear it, and if we don't experience it, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. It's our responsibility. It's our decision-making, and it's our messed-up priorities. And we need to come home. We need to come home to the heart of Jesus, and we need to ask him to help us see again and hear again and feel again the truth that even if this world isn't what we hoped it would be, God isn't finished yet. And we get, to, we get to be a part of that. That saving and that redemption of the world that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Try again. We're gonna sing together now and as we do, I just hope that we're able to be honest with ourselves in this coming week about what it is we're really chasing after in this life. And that if it's not Jesus, and we just say that it is, that we would find a way this week to trust in the grace of God enough to say, please help me, deliver me, help me start over. Deliver me from the things I'm chasing after that aren't you. Help me come home. Would you stand now?